I was praying about what the Lord would have me to share this morning, and um, there are just different things that the Lord's been burdening me about, and, and sometimes when the Lord's showing you things, you kind of pray that the Lord shows you how to minister it correctly, and, and it's not all jumbled up. Um, so, amen, Holy Spirit, help us. But um, let me pray one more time, Lord. I just thank you, God, for uh, this morning, Lord. I just pray, God, that you would speak to us as a congregation, Lord. I pray that our hearts would be open, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in our hearts, God, the things that he wants to touch in our lives, Lord. I just pray that you would help us to give it to you, Lord. And I just pray again, God, get me out of the way. I pray that um, you would speak to your people this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And never pray too much. Um, if you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, I just wanted to open up in this scripture as uh, we go into the message. But Hebrews 12, and right at the beginning of the chapter, verses 1 and 2. And again, this is the, this is the passage right after the famous Hebrews 11, the great uh, Hall of Fame of Faith. And so he's encouraged... Um, the writer of Hebrews has encouraged other people of God in, in the, the great testaments of faith. Amen. And in this next chapter, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Yeah, I know whenever we get our eyes off of Jesus, that's when we start getting into trouble. Amen. And so our eyes should always be on Jesus. It's not on men. It's not on even churches. It's not on friends. It's not on jobs. It's not on uh, careers. It's not on any of those things. Our eyes should always be on Jesus. But you know that a lot of times, and in, in, in the writer of Hebrews put, puts this in a context, right? He says, run in the race, okay? So this walk with the Lord is not just some short little sprint. It's, in a sense, a marathon. And he, he's talking about running this race and then having Jesus as, a, as the, the focus of that race. But you know, in our walk with the Lord, it doesn't matter if you just got saved yesterday, if you just got saved two or three years ago, if you've been walking with the Lord 20 plus years, there are many times where things will start weighing on you and things will start causing you to get your eyes off of Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews says, he says, lay aside every weight and every sin that doesn't um, scarcely beset us. What does it say? It easily besets us. Okay. And he's talking about, and he's encouraging the, the, the church in this book as well, that look, you, you look through all the people in chapter 11 that went through so much, and they didn't even have Jesus at the moment, okay? And then now, how much more we have Christ, and we have to keep our eyes on Him. But there's things in our lives that beset us, guys. There are things that hold us down, okay? And I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord this morning, Amen. Maybe you're on a mountaintop and you're doing wonderfully with the Lord. But perhaps this morning, there are things that weigh down your heart. Maybe there's sickness in your body that's weighing you down, that's discouraging you. Maybe there's sin that you're struggling with this morning. Maybe there's um, unforgiveness in your heart. There's, there's difficulty in your heart forgiving maybe someone or, or a situation, whatever that may be. But I think sometimes we get so, just so caught up in our Christian life 
that we don't take the time to stop and say, Lord, can you examine me? Can you examine my heart because I'm struggling so much? And there may be different reasons. There may be different areas in your life you're at this morning. But I pray that the Holy Spirit and the Lord will really speak to you in that one. And um, you let the Lord just speak to you and, and examine your heart. And that's what I'm just going to talk about this morning is letting the Lord examine our hearts. Amen. But I just want to share a couple of scriptures leading up to that. Um, what is our responsibility as Christians in the church? Okay. And, and Colossians speaks to this. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And so what is Colossians three sixteen and 17 saying? First of all, the Word of God has to dwell how in me? Richly. Not superficially, not just a note card that's on my mirror that I look at in the morning, but, but that there's a real depth to the word of God in my life. And it says richly in all wisdom. You know that we can have the word of God and not apply it in all its wisdom, in all its spiritual wisdom. So we may just take one word of it or one verse of it and not really have the, the richness and the full wisdom of it in our hearts. And it says teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so as a member of the church, I may not be the pastor, I may not be the Sunday school teacher, but my life should be so overflowing with the word of God that it should be almost like a sweet fragrance and an encouragement to a brother and a sister sitting next to me on my left and to my right. And so you may, you may just come to church and just be here and sit down and sing the psalms, and, and praise the Lord, and then it should be that. But God calls us also to, be, also to be an encouragement to one another. I pray that each one of us would look to the left and the right and say, how's my brother doing in the Lord? How's my sister doing in the Lord? Not that we're busy bodies and we're all in each other's business, but that we would really look to see, you know, I wonder if they need prayer. And maybe God's calling you not to go talk to them, but really, really pray for them. Amen? You know, that's what, what God's called us to do. Um, if y'all could turn with me to First Peter. And I just want to touch on how the Lord sees us. First Peter chapter two, and we're going to read verses nine and twelve. And I see this as the charge as we're running this race, the charge that God has for for us as Christians and as the as the church worldwide. It says, But ye, starting verse nine, you are what? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not attained mercy, but now have attained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works 
which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so what is Peter charging the church with here? He's reminding them, what are you? What were you before and what are you now? You hadn't obtained mercy and now you've been given mercy. You struggled in lust of the flesh before and now God's giving you that freedom. So what are you doing now with what God's giving you? Because guess what? God has made you a chosen generation. He's made you a royal priesthood. He's made you a holy nation and he's made you a peculiar people. And then later on in verse 11, he calls them strangers and pilgrims. And why does he say that? Because he wants the church and he wants the believers to view their life here on this earth in the context of what? In the context of how God views them. I think a lot of times in our flesh we struggle and maybe it's just human nature. We kind of just want to blend in. We kind of just want to like go with the flow. We kind of just want to go where everyone else is going. Um, And God hasn't called us to be that way. Because what does Peter hit on at the end of that verse again too? He says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. So what was he drawing it back to? He says, you're all these things. You're strangers and pilgrims. And then what is he focusing it or comparing it to? That the Gentiles all around you, meaning all the unbelievers, are watching your life. Your life is a walking word of God to them. And they're going to see by your honest conversation... In your good works, the works of the Holy Spirit in your life, they're going to see that there's something different in you and they're going to glorify the Lord as a result of that. Amen. And so I think a lot of times for me, I know this is a temptation for me at work. We're all, we all have careers here. We all work here or in school. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to encounter situations where people are talking about things. You're going to encounter situations where most people would do this this certain way, but God would have you do it a different way. And we just kind of follow along what, what's with what, what is easier instead of stepping back and saying, wait a minute, God's made me a peculiar nation. He's made me a royal priesthood. That is, that is a lot of responsibility, isn't it? And I don't mean responsibility in the sense of we try to do all these things on our own and we're somehow uh, earning our salvation. Let me make that clear right now. But there is a call in their life, isn't it? A calling on our life, isn't it? Amen. And so I have to view, talking about examining my life, what has God called me to and what has he, what has he made me to be? Amen. And so a lot of times walking in this world Monday through Friday, we have to be careful that we don't get the mind of, of the carnal mind and just the mind of the world and the way the world thinks and how we make our decisions because we're not those things. It doesn't mean that we're some kind of weirdos that... You know, do crazy stuff. I don't. There's plenty of weirdos in this, <laughs> in this life, in this world. I don't mean it that way. But peculiar in the sense of you're not like the world. You don't do the things that they do. You don't worry like they do. You don't uh, enjoy the things that they do. Amen. Because there's something different in you. And it's not that we can't do those things. And we can't. It's not a bunch of no, no, no. You can't do those things. But when you have the life of Christ living in you. There's such a joy and there's such a peace that this world can understand when we're in the presence of the Lord that it's almost like those things in the world don't matter to us anymore. And going back to what we said at the beginning, those things don't weigh me down. As I'm walking with the Lord and letting him examine my life, Lord, forgive me for letting that thing weigh me down. And this running the race that I have with you, God, it slowed me down. 
It made me not really grow in the things that you wanted me to grow in. Amen. Or maybe just fleshly lust that that I'm not um, setting aside and giving to the Lord caused me to be very stale in my walk with the Lord. You know, a lot of times we can kind of just get in this routine where we come to church Wednesday. You know, we're here in a minute. It's wonderful when we're here. We're here for Sunday school and we're here for Sunday morning and we're here for prayer at night and we're here on Wednesdays. And we should do all those things. I encourage all to do those things. But let it let our walks in the Lord not just be we're checking it off like I went to church on Sunday or I read my Bible in the morning and in our life just be that sort of routine and in me not really take the time to stop and examine my heart and be like, wait a minute, Lord, I don't want this just to be some kind of routine thing. Has my love for you grown cold? Has my excitement about the things of God just gone away? I've been filled with the Holy Spirit two or three years ago. And now I just, I just find myself, I find it hard to even raise my hands when I'm worshiping you at church. Amen? So I pray as we're going through these scriptures, let the Lord speak to you. Are there things in your life that are weighing you down and that are really keeping you from everything that God's wanting to do in your life? So if God's call us to be those strangers and pilgrims, that royal priesthood, all those things, how should we walk? How should we walk as Christians, running or walking? Amen? How should we? All right, let's look at a couple of things that Paul talked about because there's several times, you know, a lot of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. There's several times in the epistle that there's a word that jumps out. I just looked it up and he says, worthy, a walk that is worthy. Amen? A walk that is worthy. Not for our salvation, but for what he's called us to, right? Because we just went through that in 1 Peter. Um, chapter turn with me to Colossians chapter one, verses nine to ten. It says, for this cause, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. How shall we be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk how? Worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay, so there's like an urgency that Paul is talking about at the beginning. What's he saying? He says, for this cause, since the day we heard it, meaning since the day we heard you got saved, we're not stopping to pray. We're not ceasing in our prayers that what? That you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will for your life and that it would be done in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And not only that, but that you would walk your life as Christians in a way that's worthy of the Son of God, as the Son and the Daughter of God. Amen? And so what does worthy mean, okay? And there's several definitions for worthy, but it says, one of, a couple of definitions I looked up, it says suitable, suitable, Suitable for or characteristic of something. So what would that mean in my walk as a Christian? Meaning that my walk is one that's suitable as a Christian. And that's characteristic of a Christian. That's characteristic of Christ. Amen. How many times I can walk as a Christian that's not characteristic of the Lord? I know I have so many times. And still ask the Lord to help me. Deserving to be given attention to. Meaning you really take the time to say, wait a minute, am I walking worthy of how God's called me to be? Amen. And then the, the other definition I saw is fit for. Meaning you're fit to walk as a Christian, walking 
in all the things that God's called us to. Okay, so does he just mention it in Colossians? No, he mentions it in Ephesians. If you want to turn with me, it's Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And we, we're going to read verses 1 and 2 and then jump to verse 30. It says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk what? Worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Okay, and so if God's called me to walk worthy, am I like, man, I'm so worthy, walking for the Lord, look at y'all, not walking worthy of the Lord. What is, how does he say to do it? All lowliness and meekness, right? Meaning, I know God's doing it in me, and I'm asking the Lord to do it in me, amen? And I'm presenting my life. I'm putting on Christ, right? We've gone through those scriptures before, Okay. But I'm doing it all lowliness and meeking and then in meekness and with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. So as I'm walking with the Lord, I'm walking in that worthy manner. There's long suffering as a characteristic, meaning a lot of times it's not going to be easy. A lot of times it's going to be very hard forbearing one another in love, meaning I should be forgiving towards people around me, people that have wronged me, people that have used me. People that have talked bad about me. Forbearing one another in love. Amen. And jumping down to verse 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Do you all know that we can grieve the Spirit of God in how we walk, how we talk, the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we watch? Amen. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. So, where else does Paul speak about this? Let's jump to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 says, As you know, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Okay? So, Paul is, is referencing back to a teaching and instruction that he gave. He says, I exhorted you, I comforted you, I charged you as a spiritual father to do what? What does it say in verse 12? That you would walk what? That you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Amen. And then he mentions it again to the church. If y'all can jump with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're going to see this in verse 11. It says, wherefore, also, we pray always for you. Right. There's such an urgency of Paul. He's always praying for the church. Amen. Wherefore, we we also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Amen. And, you know. We, we, um, I'm building upon what we already know that we are justified in the Lord, right? That our faith in Christ Jesus is what gives us salvation. And so the verse here is not talking about God seeing you worthy to enter into heaven, but it says that you would be worthy, that he would count you worthy of this calling. Amen. And I think a lot of times so much in Christianity, we just stop at justification, and we just stop there. We, know, we don't talk about how God wants us to walk. 
We don't talk about how God wants us to walk worthy of a calling. Amen. We don't talk about how the Lord desires us to, to, to be examined by him. Amen. And I don't take away from God's love and his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. Those things are absolutely important and fundamental to our walk with the Lord. But God wants us to build on those things that he shows us. Amen. And so as God is building and he's, he's maturing us in our faith and he's, we're growing in that knowledge of him, right? We're growing with all knowledge and all wisdom and understanding that not only has God loved me and he's forgiven me and he's given me mercy and he's saved me, but what? He's called me to do something. He's called me to be something. Amen. And he's called me to walk worthy of what of everything that he's given to me. Amen. And that's how God desires to to see his children walk with him. Um, Just in my personal time with the Lord. um, I've just been going through the Gospels and I've been going through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I'm right now I'm in Luke. And I know I've heard the Lord. I've heard this account before, but it really challenged me because um, it's almost like a real wake up call. That the Lord gives. But if y'all want to turn with me and read it along. It's in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 and it's verses 7 to 10. And I'm reading out of the uh, New King James Version. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, Which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. So hey, you've done your work. Come, come and sit down to eat. Verse 8, but will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. So it's kind of striking the way Jesus says it, right? Because there's other accounts and there's other parables where, where at the end there's a, there's a great supper, right? And there's a, a good and faithful servant, right? Whenever he returns. But here, he's given the example of a work that's continuing. And there's a harvesting and the servant's coming in from the field and the master, he says, what master would say to him, hey, uh, please sit down, servant, and, and, and fix your food like it's a, a, a big deal that he's done what he was supposed to do. What does he say? He says, continue, continue in the work. Come in and give me to eat. And so if you're on first glance, it might sound like, wow, that's a really cruel master. But what's the Lord bringing out here? He says, don't pat yourself on the back and be like, OK, I'm walking in truth and I've obeyed the truth. And OK, I'm going to sit down and God better come just. Bless me so much because I've, I've done that, right? I think a lot of times we can just stop like that in our walk with God. But what is God saying? The work hasn't finished. The walk hadn't finished. Amen that you're justified. Amen that you're giving your heart to the Lord. But it doesn't just stop there. We've got to keep serving God. We've got to keep walking with Him. We've got to keep serving Jesus. Amen? All right. So what would be, what does it really mean you know, you keep saying worthy, walking worthy. What does all that mean? What does it really mean to, to examine my life? Because that's what I believe the Lord has us um, just to pray about, meditate this morning. What does it really mean to examine my life? Okay. And so, and what does examine really mean? So 
Um, good old Merriam-Webster says, the definition of examine, it says to inspect closely, to test the condition of, to inquire into carefully, investigate, to test by questioning in order to determine progress, fitness, or knowledge. Amen. And so what does that examination mean? Meaning that I'm letting God examine me. In the sense of me examining myself, I'm letting God examine me because I can look, you know, a nice suit and tie and look wonderful in front of y'all. So it's not how other people see me. It's how does God see me? And I think a lot of times we say, oh, well, I don't do that that the other Christian does and I don't do those things. And we examine ourselves by each other, right? So we kind of measure our spirituality. Well, well, they, they don't really understand that or they didn't do this or didn't do that or, you know, they commit that kind of sin. And so that means I'm, I'm a good Christian. Guess what? That's not how God sees you. Who does Christ compare you to? Or who does the Lord compare you to? His son, right? And so we should always examine as we're, we're praying for the Lord to examine us. Don't examine yourself by other people. Examine yourself by what God um, is looking, for, looking at in your life. But I don't want to just talk about what I think examining means. I want to go to the Word of God. Amen? So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm not going to go through the whole history of the church of, of Corinthians, but there are a lot of issues in, in the church of Corinth. And, and Paul gives wonderful instruction to the church of Corinthians, the 1 Corinthians, the 2 Corinthians, a lot of the issues that are going on in the church. And towards the end of the chapter, uh, this is where Paul kind of drills down on some things, okay? So I want to read the, this passage first in the King James. It says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? reprobates? And then jump down to verse 7. It says, Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. reprobates. And then I just want to read this out of the Amplified. It just kind of explains it and breaks it down pretty well. It says, verse 5, it says, Test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you're in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves. And not me. So Paul's saying you're kind of worried about examining everybody else and, and not examining yourselves. Examine yourselves, not me. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit. Verse 7. But I pray to God that you may do nothing wrong. Not so that we in our teaching may appear to be approved. But that you may continue doing what is right. Even though we, by comparison, may seem to have failed. And so what is Paul encouraging the Corinthians to do? Stop and examine your life. Examine your walk with the Lord. Prove your own selves. Amen? And just going back to what I said at the beginning, we can just kind of get in a routine and, okay, we're going to church and we're reading and, and everything's good. But wait a minute. How's my walk really with the Lord? Are there things in my life maybe I never realized are there? Are there issues in my life that I've just kind of just swept on the rug and not let the Lord really deal with? Amen. Um, if y'all can go with me to 1 Corinthians, 
back to uh, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at chapter 11. And so Paul, y'all see how Paul makes an emphasis in addition to all the wonderful things he talks about in doctrine, the fundamentals of the faith. Faith, uh, it's not works, it's faith through the Lord Jesus Christ that we, we attain heaven, amen? All those things, but what does also Paul talk about? Because we want to have a richness in our understanding of God. We don't just want parts of the things that God has for us. We want everything that the Lord has for us. Amen. Richly in all wisdom and all discernment. And so what are the other things that, God, that Paul is hitting on? Not only that you walk worthy, that you examine yourselves. And so there were issues with communion. And this is what he's talking about in the context of communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 to 32. It says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Okay, let me stop right there. Do you think that God would only have us examine ourselves only at communion? No, right? But how much more communion? And why, does Jesus, why did Jesus give that instruction of communion? It's not just that it was the sacrifice of Jesus and that his blood cleanses us, Amen. Those are the most important thing I would say about communion. But what also does communion mean? That as I'm taking of this cup and this bread that I don't do it how? Unworthily. Amen. And so he instructs them. He gives a wonderful instruction. He says, examine yourself before you take communion. Okay. He says in verse 29, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And so there are consequences as a result of them not stopping to examine themselves. First of all, whether they're saved or not, amen. And if they are saved, how is their walk with the Lord? Are there sins that they're harboring in their heart? Amen. Verse 31, he says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. You know, I think sometimes, and I think this is the importance that Paul has given, is we would take the time to examine ourselves and judge ourselves. We wouldn't find ourselves in the discipline that God has to give us sometimes. I think sometimes we end up in our walk with God and we're like, why did this happen? And why, did, why didn't I see this? Or why did all these things? And, and you know what? I believe God had instructed us to stop and judge ourselves and examine ourselves, and we didn't, and then we find ourselves in that situation. And so I would encourage you this morning, if we would stop and examine and judge ourselves, we wouldn't have to suffer the consequences that come as a result of that. Amen? And so important to do that. Um, Psalms 26.2, and you, you see a lot of the prayer of David as he's going through Psalm 119, even that. But you see that even as his songs, as he's praising the Lord. He's also, he, a lot of times he's also bringing it back to his, his personal relationship with God. He says in Psalms 26.2, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. So David, David praises God and he sings his songs to, to the Lord and he praises him and he testifies of all the wonderful things. But what does David stop and do as well? He says, God, examine me and try me and prove me. Right. And we see how David made a fell into a really terrible sin of adultery. Right. And he could as he's writing those psalms, he could probably reference back, you know, I didn't stop and let the Lord examine my life. 
Amen. Because guess what? Whenever you overcome something in the Lord, two or three miles down the marathon, there may be something else that God wants to deal with too. Right? And so, just like, just like Jesus said, don't be so glad that you went out in the field and, and are coming back in and like, okay, I'm going to sit down and eat. This is a race. This is a, this is a marathon. Amen. And I'm not saying that God doesn't give us rest. Amen. This is very important to, to take rest with the Lord. We're going to talk about that a little later. But this is a, a, a marathon in a sense, and I have to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I have to take, in, in a sense, I'm going to stop and take inventory sometimes and be like, okay, Lord, I love you with all my heart. Is there anything in my life that's not right with you? And I don't mean that in a sense that we feel like this constant weight and condemnation and we're just like so nervous and, and all those things. I'm not saying that at all. But there is that as a practice because you see that throughout the, the New Testament. Amen. And you see in the Old Testament as well. I want to go through a couple of uh, the Proverbs that really talk about this examining and judging ourselves, in, in, uh, especially in comparison to the Lord. But I'll read this passage out of the King James, and I'm going to go through some of them in, in the Amplified Bible. But uh, Proverbs 16, you can write these down or, or, and, and follow along. I'm going to go through them kind of quickly. But uh, Proverbs 16, 1-3 says, The preparations of the hardened man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of the man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. I'm going to read it again in the Amplified. The plans and reflections of the heart belong to man. So let me hit the pause button right there. So I, in my own mind, I better can make all these plans, and I can reflect on all these kind of things about maybe how the things that I, I think God's shown me to do, and I think this is the Lord, amen, or I think I'm fine with the Lord, okay? But the wise answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean and innocent in his own eyes, and he may see nothing wrong with his actions. But the Lord weighs and examines the motives and intents of the heart and knows the truth. Amen. Commit your works to the Lord, submit and trust them to him. And your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. You know, we talked in Sunday school, uh, Chris and Jenna were, were teaching about faith this morning and the importance of faith in our walk with God. But I think a lot of times we can mask our own thoughts and our own plans in faith and really not stop and kind of convince ourselves that, man, this is God and, and this is faith. And we don't really stop. And maybe it is, amen. And you're walking in. In, in God's authority. But I would ask in the Lord, has God waited? Has God examined my heart and my motives? Amen? Because all those things may seem really good in my own eyes, but how does God see them? And then maybe everyone else around me thinks it's really great. But how does God see it? Amen? That's so important. Proverbs eighteen seventeen. I'm reading out of the Amplified. The first one to plead his case Seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. So what's that saying? He can kind of, someone can seem, feel like they're all, you know, got the right answer, got the right way. But it's not until there's God coming and cross-examining that the, that the thing is corrected, right? Proverbs 21.2 says, every, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs and examines the heart. 
of people and their motives, right? So that's kind of repeated again from Proverbs 16. And then in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, this is a warning that Paul gives the Corinthians. He says, wherefore, because they were all worried about what each other was doing wrong. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Amen. And so you may be correctly seeing something else, but you're not taking the time to be careful yourself of something that you may be not doing right in the Lord. Okay. And so Paul's warning, it says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Amen. And that's going back to walking worthy and examining myself. Okay. So I pray that you've seen the importance of what it is to walk worthy and letting the Lord examine. But what does that mean practically in my life? Because we can, we can hear teachings and just let it be very 30,000 foot level. But what does it mean to me, Alberto, in his life, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, Saturday and, and, and Sunday, outside of church? Amen. Because the, the Word of God calls us what? Not only to be hearers of the Word, right? but to be doers of the world. James warns that we can see our reflection in the mirror, see how God sees us, and then forget what happens tomorrow. Amen? So I just want to commend you all and uh, encourage you all as we're going through these verses, really write them down and um, encourage you to write them down, but really take the time to think about that in your own life, these practical just questions to ask yourself. So examining uh, myself, I want to go through a couple questions. So the first one I would ask is, what do I prioritize? Amen? What do I prioritize as far as time, people, and things? And we're bringing this back to examining myself, right? What do I prioritize in my life? And the first, first thing I would ask is, is just our time. How do we prioritize our time? Because God makes a very big emphasis on prayer and taking time to read his word. And so what is the great example, the greatest example we can see in the New Testament of someone who prioritizes time? Jesus, right? So, um, y'all can write these down. I'm going to go through them kind of quickly just for the sake of time. I don't want to keep going here two hours. (laughs) Mark chapter 13, verses 32 to 33. This is a warning that Jesus says, okay? But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. So Jesus is saying, hey, he just talked about Jesus coming back as a thief in the night. He's warning them. He says, hey, it may even be a long time, and you're wondering, when is Jesus coming back? Okay? We're here... 2,000 years after Jesus walked on this earth, after the New Testament, and, and we could very much be like, when's Jesus coming back? I've been walking with Jesus 20 years. When's Jesus coming back? And so what's kind of the human tendency to do is I just kind of want to sit down. I'm tired. I'm just going to live my little Christian life. And you just kind of slowly, slowly. And then you're like, okay, I've got to raise my kids. I've got to do my 9 to 5. And so what does the focus start coming? We're just... Those weights start coming down, right? I may be discouraged about things, but what does Jesus say? He says in verse 33, Take heed, watch, and pray, for you know not the time, what the time is, right? And so if I don't know when Jesus is coming back, what does Jesus tell me to do? He says to take heed, and he says to watch, and he says to pray, okay? So, if I want to examine my life and see what is the Lord seeing that's lacking in my life, do I prioritize prayer 
in time with Him. Men and fathers as leaders of your home, do you take the time to pray for how God is leading your family? Maybe there are things that your children are struggling with that you don't know, you may not see it, but God wants you to see it. And guess what? You're not going to hear God speak until you do what? You stop and you pray. Jesus says, watch and heed. Amen. There may be temptations. There may be things maybe your spouse is struggling with. Amen. Mothers, as you raise your children, do you take the time to pray? Moms, y'all have a really busy, busy life, especially younger moms, of tending to the children. It's very hard. You're probably very tired, a lot of sleepless nights, okay? But do you take the time to pray, God, help me to raise my child. Help me to know how to raise a child. Amen? That's why taking the time to pray is so important because that's the time that God really wants. A lot of times we seek prayer as when we just ask Jesus to give us something or to heal us or to do, and we should pray to do those things. But the time of prayer is also for what? For me to listen. For me to examine myself. Amen. And so I'm just going to read a couple of real quick passages out of Matthew. And you see that practice in the life of Jesus. It says in, in Matthew 26, 40 to 42. I shared a couple of these in prayer a couple of um, Sundays ago. It says, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so what's Jesus? This is right before Jesus is going to be crucified, right? Do you all remember that account where he's in the he's in the garden and, and he ends up sweating blood and he asks his disciples to come and pray with him? And guess what happens? The disciples uh, fall asleep. Amen. You know, I love sleep probably more than anyone. I love sleeping in. OK, um, and there's nothing wrong with sleeping and resting. But what does God call me to do? Because Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, hey, I'm about to be crucified. But when I leave and go into heaven and I have you here, start churches, preach the gospel, go before the synagogues, go before rulers and kings are going to question you. People are going to persecute you. And these men are going to be put to death eventually. What is Jesus trying to teach them about prayer? He says, hey, you're going to struggle in your flesh when you're tired. You're going to want to fall asleep. But Jesus is making it so important. He says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. You know not the hour. Okay? And Jesus not only says that, he practices it himself. In Matthew 14, 22 to 23, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. We read about this in Sunday school this morning. He made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And so, y'all, Jesus is ministering. Y'all can be ministering to going to Foxy's, all these kind of, uh, going to the nursing home in your own uh, ministry God's giving you. You can be really busy. But what does Jesus do? He sends the disciples to the other side. Number one, he sends the multitudes away. And then what does Jesus do? What does it say that he does in verse 23? When he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to do what? To pray, right? Now when evening, now when evening came, he was alone there. So here's the Son of God, the power to heal. The, the Son of God who, re, who was resurrected. What does he do? He takes the time alone to pray. He prioritizes that time with God. Amen. Let me uh, just keep going. So prioritize timing is, is something we should examine in our life. Okay, what's another thing that we may do? We may prioritize people above the Lord. You know what? Jesus talks about the greatest commandments. Love the Lord with all thine heart and then love your neighbor, neighbor as, as yourself. 
One example of, of the Lord examining and testing who was the priority was in the life of Abraham, right? Abraham had waited so long. He had waited many, many, many years to have Isaac. And just to have Isaac was a miracle, all right? So how much more do you think Abraham is like really embracing Isaac and really treasuring him, right? Because that's something that God had promised him. And he held him very close. But what does God cause Abraham to do? Because this is another example of, of Abraham examining himself, God examining him. What does God tell him to do? He says, I want you to take my, your son and I want you to go bring him and sacrifice him. Okay? Can you imagine how hard that is for Abraham? And he goes and what does he do? He obeys. He lets God examine his heart and he offers himself and his son to the Lord. And so in, in Genesis twenty two twelve, this is the Lord speaking through the angel. He says, and he said, twenty two twelve. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You know that we can prioritize a spouse before the Lord. We can prioritize our children before the Lord. We can prioritize our friends before the Lord. We can prioritize many people before the Lord. And I'm not saying don't love your 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 wife and your children with all your heart. I'm not saying that at all. Y'all, let me make that clear. But we shouldn't allow anything to get between me and Jesus, me and the Lord. And y'all, I say this to say that sometimes even in our walk, we may compromise in our walk because of people. We may compromise the things that God is calling us to do and to be because of what people may think. And then people close to us may think. And if we don't examine our lives and our hearts, Lord, examine me that there would be anything between me, that's when we can start veering from where God has us to be. And what has happened? I've taken my eyes off of Jesus, and I'm letting those, not a sin necessarily, but I'm letting that burden keep me from where I'm supposed to be going with Jesus. Amen? What's another thing that, can, that, that I may prioritize? Things, okay? And this is another example of, of the Lord really examining a heart. If y'all can turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And we're drawn to the close. Y'all bear with me. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. I'll read this account. It says, When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, kneeled to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may uh, inherit eternal life? And so this is a... Uh, this is the young ruler and he's running to Jesus and he's kneeling himself before him and he's saying, what can I do to eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear fault with, fault, false witness. Excuse me. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him. Let me stop right there. Beholding him what? Loved him. Okay? So God's examining our lives. He's not doing it to nitpick us and make us miserable and make us any of those things. Why does he do that? He does it because he loves us. He loves us. And that's why he does that. He says he loved him and he said unto him, One thing thou thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And so this young man 
very well. It sounded like he was very sincere. He had done all those things, right? He had honored his father's mother. He didn't commit. He didn't steal, right? Could have done a big pat. And then when he presented, he asked the Lord, God examined me. What did Jesus pinpoint in his particular life? He had a great wealth, and he treasured that wealth very much. So much where God told him, let go of it. Give it all away. Take up your cross and come follow me. And that man, how did that man respond? He cried. Right? Because he prioritized that and it was hard for him to give it away. And if you, we don't have time right now, but if you go on later on in that passage, the disciples are like, God, who can, it's impossible for the rich to, to go into heaven. And Jesus addressed it. He says it's very hard, but he says nothing is impossible with me. Nothing's impossible with God. All right, next question I'd ask you, and we're just, we're wrapping up. So what do I watch and listen to is another thing I would just uh, encourage you to think of as you're asking the Lord to examine your life. What do you watch and listen to? Matthew 6, 21 to 23 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And so what is Jesus saying? The things that I'm allowing myself to watch or see, the things that I'm watching or seeing, can cause me to be full of the light and wisdom that God wants me to have, or it can be compromised and cause my heart to be affected as a result. Psalms 103 verse 3 says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. And so what is the psalmist saying? I don't want to set anything wicked before me. And those that, um, that hate, uh, he says, I, ha- I hate the work of them that turn aside. Meaning, I don't want to be anywhere near any compromising, anything that's compromising, and let that stick to me. Okay? Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above Wherewith Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection where? On things above, not on the things on the earth. Because guys, the things that we, uh, even TV shows we may watch, movies we we may see, music we may listen to, conversations we may hear. All those things are going to be competing against the Lord. Do you know that the things that the world prioritizes are not the same things that the Lord prioritizes? And guess who produces, I'm not saying all movies and all TV shows, all of them are evil. But guess what? Movies and, and shows and music are going to sing and are going to emphasize things that the world prioritizes. Okay? And it's not going to be what the Lord prioritizes. And so if I let myself be so consumed by those things, guess what I'm going to start prioritizing? Guess what I'm going to start valuing? Guess, guess whose wisdom I'm going to start listening to? You see what I'm getting at? And so if I don't stop and examine what, what influences I'm allowing into my life, it affects the way I walk with the Lord. And so I made those, those things, and guess what? The devil's not going to do flashing red lights. This is bad. This is evil. How is, how is the devil going to package things? He's going to make it very attractive, right? Amen? And so I just encourage you, ask the Lord to give you wisdom in, how, in the things that you listen to, the things that you watch. Amen? And, and there's so many things that we can go through, but I just kind of broke it up into these three questions. And the last one, so the first one was, what do I prioritize? What do I watch and listen to? And the last one I want to deal with, and there's many more you can go through, but what is my relationship with those around me? Amen. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 says, Follow peace with all men in all holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And so what is the writer of Hebrews exhorting them to do is to follow peace with all men. You know that we can have disagreements in the church. You know that we can have disagreements in our families. You know that we can have disagreements with friends. Amen. And I pray that those disagreements would not be trivial ones. Sometimes they can be very serious ones. And sometimes they may deal with something that's very biblical. But guess what? I should never hold a grudge against anyone. I should be quick to forgive. It doesn't mean I compromise in the things that are the word of God. But how should my how should my heart be towards those people? It should be tender. It should be meek. It should be long-suffering. Remember we read, we, we read about walking worthily. Some of those things that, things that followed up with what Paul said. He says, do it in all lowliness and meekness. Long-suffering. What he says, forgiving one another. Because guess what? On this, going back to what we said at the beginning, this walk or this running the race, there's times where we're going we're, we're gonna to be offended. And, and we may be the ones that be offending as well. But guess what? If I don't examine my walk with the Lord, I don't examine my heart, I may allow bitterness to creep in. And it's always going to be very, very small, and it just starts growing. And what, what does the writer of Hebrews warn? It says, um, it says, looking diligently. So it didn't say, he didn't say, oh, by the way, check to see if this happened. What's he saying? Look diligently. Look diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and there many be defiled. So if I don't let God deal with bitterness that may be in my heart, it's going to start defiling my heart. So guess what? I can know the word of God very well, and I can have discernment about something very well. But if I allow bitterness to come into my heart, it's going to start troubling me. It's going to start affecting my walk with God. It's going to start affecting other people. And so if I don't take the time to let the Lord examine me, right, it's going to start troubling me. And all those things, all the, the great things God may have done in your life, guess what, guess what the devil's going to do? He's always, if he can't come through the front door, guess how he's going to come in? He's going to come through the back door, right? And so that's why the writer of Hebrews says, watch diligently. That's why Jesus says, heed and watch. Again, we're not scared of the devil, but what do we do? We're always watching God. Examine me, and I want to be very well aware of where I'm going and how you're having me go. And I don't want any root of bitterness to be in my heart. Matthew 6, 14, uh, 6, 14 and 15. And Miss Sherry has shared a couple of these scriptures a couple of uh, Sundays ago during prayer, and they're wonderful. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And then Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye what? Kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And y'all, um, I would even say bitterness can even be, come between uh, me and the Lord. 
You may be going through something that's been very, very long. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's been a need. Maybe it's been an unanswered prayer. And guess what? There can be a bitterness between you and God that can creep in. So I'm not just saying even with our relationship with other people, but even our relationship with God, we can start becoming bitter towards Him. And uh, we really need to stop and ask the Lord, God, let my heart be tender, not only towards other people, but let my heart be tender towards you. Because there may be things I don't understand, but I have to understand that God has it all under control. Even though He hadn't answered the prayer, um, when I wanted Him to, I have to trust Him in faith to do it. Amen. And so I don't even want bitterness between me and Jesus to come and affect my walk. Um, I just want to close with these last couple of verses, uh, just in conclusion. And then just sort of as a charge, charge in the beginning and charge at the end. Um, if you can turn with me to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. I love uh, the books, uh, the epistles of Timothy, because it's just a wonderful encouragement that Paul has given to this young minister in the Lord. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. He says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, made shipwreck. And so he's charging and he's exhorting him and he's encouraging. He says, hold on to your faith and have a good conscience. How can I have a good conscience when I'm examining myself, right? I'm not allowing the Lord to examine me and I'm not putting away that faith and it being made shipwreck, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Y'all know what? This walk with the Lord is going to be hard sometimes. I'm looking at y'all teenagers. I remember when I was a teenager. Walking with Jesus is hard. It's very tempting not to walk as strong with the Lord. Okay? The world is that much more tempting. And it seems like friends that you value a lot aren't doing the same things that you are. And you start thinking to yourself, What's, why is it worth it walking with Jesus? Amen? Don't do that. Hold strong. Hold on to the Lord. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth. Entangleth, entangleth himself with affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. And so what is the Lord saying through Paul here? He's saying that this Christian walk is almost like a warfare. And guess what? He says, don't entangle yourself with the things of this life, because it's going to be easy for that to happen. Don't entangle yourself with all the plans that you have, all the things that you want. Amen. I'm not saying that God didn't want to bless you with a wonderful home and car and family and all those things, but don't let those things entangle you. Amen. Don't let those things entangle you because he's saying, as a good soldier, don't let those things entangle you because what? You want to please him who has chosen you to be a soldier, right? First Thessalonians 5, 15 to 23, a wonderful commendation for the church. This is Paul speaking. He says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Right? When we get wrong, we want to wrong back, don't we? We want to get them back, don't we? What does the Bible say to do? Render evil, do not render evil for evil for any man, but ever follow what? That which is good, both amongst yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. 
Y'all know that we got to rejoice even when things are bad? Okay? And I don't mean a fake rejoicing. I mean, things may be bad, but what has God saved me from? Amen. There's always something to be thankful for before the Lord. Verse 17, what does that say? Pray how? Pray without ceasing. You know, some may even say that's religious, that that's legalistic, taking the time to pray, praying in the morning. Some people may call that legalistic, but what does it say? It says pray without ceasing. I should be praying all the time, okay? Verse 18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Y'all know that we have to give thanks even when we're sick? We have to give thanks even when we've lost our job, even when we've lost that promotion, even when we didn't get that thing that we wanted. Y'all know that we're supposed to thank the Lord in, in all things? Quench not the Spirit, because guess what? That goes to God examining my heart, right? And what am I prioritizing? If my priority is Jesus, when all those things go wrong, it may not be something I'd be jumping up and down for, but guess what? There's something more important. I have my eyes on heaven. I have my eyes on Jesus. Amen. Despise not prophesying. You know, prophesying is not only telling the future, but prophesying is also a correction. Don't despise the correction that God that God brings. Amen. Twenty one. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Meaning, don't just take everything at its face value. Prove it. Is that what the Word of God says? Is that what really God what God really wants from my life? Hold fast that which is good. We gotta hold fast on to it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Even something that may not appear right, I don't want to be near. Okay? That's what the word of God encourages me to do. Verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24. Faithful is he that called you who will also do it. The Lord's going to do it through your life. He really is if I submit myself to Him. And Sherry, if you can come on up. We're going to uh, just have this time for the altar and for you just to pray for the Lord. As she's coming up, I just want to read this out of Psalms 139, 23 to 24. And I just pray as she's playing that y'all would just kind of take this time to pray. The altars are here if you want to pray in, in your chair. But uh, if you want to turn to Psalm 139 and read it with me, let this be a prayer as you're, you're praying with the Lord. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. There's a really catchy kid song that, that, reads, that sings this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And Lord, I pray that you would do that in our hearts, Lord. I know I need it more than anyone um, in this congregation, Lord. Every, this message you gave me is convicting to me, God. And it's something that I'm lacking in my life so much. Lord, I pray, God, that you would keep us from bad decisions, Lord. I pray that you would keep us from the pitfalls of the enemy. I pray that you would keep us, God, from temptations that we may fall in, Lord. I pray that we would just take the time... God, even this morning and, and, and today and this week, for you to examine us, Lord. And what do I prioritize, Lord? Um, what do I set before my eyes, God? What is my relationship with those around me? God, I may even have unsafe family. Maybe from my past, God, that um, there's bitterness I may hold towards still, God. I pray, give us forgiving hearts. Lord, I pray, give us tender hearts. Give us a childlike faith, Lord. Um, I pray that you would keep us from pride. 
from a hardness in our heart, God, that we may, we may not even see things that are going on, Lord. I pray, let us come before you and um, let you look at them and, and search our hearts, God. We may seem so right in our own eyes, God, but we're not right with you. And we pray that you'd show us that, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we don't have to be in despair. I thank you, Lord, that faithful is, is he that calleth. Faithful is he that will do it. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.